the last bastion holding girls back from gaming has fallen thanks to a fancy new esports dress. Mortal Kombat 11 is leaking all over the place. Masahiro Sakurai works too damn hard. Ono Senpai noticed us, just to tell us that we were wrong. <clears throat> and we take a look back at the turbulent but somehow promising story of Street Fighter V and a whole bunch more on this week's episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. Welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. How's it going, everybody? So, John, what, what's happening here in our neck of the woods here in the fighting game community? Well, actually, kind of a lot this week. The most important topic, though, we'll get to first, and that is, of course, the fancy new Cranium Apparel eSports dress. Get ready, female gaming community. And I'm reading their tweet here now. Esports dress now available. It's high time that we do something for the female gamers who receive so much backlash in the community. Stay strong. We respect you. Heart emoji. Proudly supporting hashtag women in esports. Tag every female gamer you know. Gives a new identity to female gamers. There's about 30 minutes more worth of uh, little taglines and such that we have with this Cranium Apparel post that I won't go into. Uh, <laughs> but man... This was a, a flub. This was a mess up. I showed this to my girlfriend who really doesn't too into esports outside of anything that I tell her about work and such. And she just goes, what the heck was that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Essentially, if you haven't heard, uh, an esports dress came out for the ladies and it got a lot of flack, um, mainly because this was a very clear attempt at playing on an idea and it didn't feel very genuine let's say. Uh, One of the responses here on Twitter was from someone that said something to the effect of, were any women actually involved in the process of this creation? And they said, unfortunately, no. Uh, But, and and they've kind of handled it like champs. They've they've said, we're sorry, uh, due to some criticism, we're going to, um, we're asking you all to to basically let us know how to change and, and such. It's, it hasn't been a great look for Cranium, but uh, it's been, it's, we've been having fun with it. So had you seen this dress? Yeah, I've seen it. And uh, I saw an awesome uh, jockstrap that Kitty Kaboom uh, tweeted out to you that I thought was great. <laughs> well, that's the next her. part of this. Yeah. yeah. Fireball uh, Esports, which it, it's just a, a kind of a joke Twitter, I think, just to have fun with stuff exactly like this. I feel like it was made for this. I'll read you the Fireball Esports post real quick. Get ready, male gaming community. Esports jockstrap now available. Banana emoji. Uh, It's high time that we do something for the male gamers who receive so much backlash in the community. Made for men by women. Proudly supporting men in esports. Tag every male gamer you know. And sure enough, (laughs) there's a picture of it. Slightly NSFW, but there's a, uh, well, there's an esports jockstrap. And uh, and all that you would think is included in that picture is included in that picture. So including a, a banana emoji and an eggplant emoji, which uh, yeah. So <laughs> oh boy. So this all kind of comes, you know, up against the backdrop of what has been, you know, some progress for women in fighting games as of late. Like we just had Persia on Best of Five yesterday, and she's got the EXO Academy program going on giving girls uh, new opportunities in the fighting game realm. Basically just making it easier for um, to get started, whether that be streaming, uh, how to practice, how to get to events, getting your persona out there, getting in front of uh, social media, all of that stuff. And and it's been a, a really cool 
effort by the FGC to getting rid of the um, the the potholes and the obstacles that a lot of women have seen traditionally in the uh, fighting game community. So we are making moves, and I think that's the important takeaway here. It's not we're not just bringing this up just to crap on cranium apparel. But yeah, when you're trying to make money off of something that's really important and your, your heart's not really in it, as is what seemed to be the case with Cranium, you're going to get burned a little bit yeah, by Fireball I, 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 I see this maybe a little bit differently than some other people. Um, this account has 3,600 Twitter followers. Uh, they're not, you know, they, they don't have any kind of like blue check mark by their name. Uh, they seem fairly new here. They joined in March, you know, 2016, but they haven't made any kind of splash here. And, you know, either the fighting game community or esports, pretty obviously, right? And it's not exactly uncommon in this political climate to say some things that you know are going to be inflammatory just to get press coverage about it. Uh, and then kind of like walk back your comments and be like, oh, yeah, well, I said some really horrible things, but I didn't exactly mean them. You know, not the way people are taking them. And... I it's kind of working. They've got a lot of coverage out of this. And I think a lot more people are aware of Cranium Apparel now. Um, the fact that we're talking about it, other people are talking about it, then has kind of existed before. And honestly, if, if they sat down and designed this entire campaign uh, to kind of be tongue-in-cheek in terms of like, we know this is going to blow up and be offensive to people. We hope it blows up and is kind of offensive to people. And it goes from there. I, I would not be shocked, especially with some of the emojis they use. Like, I don't know. I mean, this, this to me, like they, they've got someone like painting their nails, like the painting nails, like emoji in there. And I, it's I pretty mean, on the nose, man. Yeah. That it, it just kind of reeks to me of like, oh, let's see what happens. Uh, and I will just say, as you mentioned, there are some really good, like strong, awesome women in the fighting game community who do great work. Persia's one of them. Sherry Janix is another one. Uh, there's a bunch of other ones. Uh, Sherry's got a brand new organization right now that's helping people get their visas and stuff like that and come over. Uh, and, and like they're doing real legitimate stuff in the community. And and we should definitely acknowledge that with this kind of like also crazy stuff going on from Cranium Apparel, apparently, that there are some terrific female uh, people just in the fighting game community alone um, that, that do great work up and down. Um, uh, Vicky Kitty is another one who's a, a great announcer for Smash. You know, it's just it, like there's it's an endless list of, of female gamers out there if you really start to dig in there. Uh, so you don't have to look far to not find drama and find people doing very strong work. So. What you're talking about there, I think, with Sherry is the e-fight pass. And it's a program that actually has nothing directly to do with women, um, as, as this previous one that we were just talking about does. But it's actually there for players outside of the U.S. Um, it's helping them get their visas because we've seen a handful of situations now where, especially on the Capcom Pro Tour, players will qualify but then are unable to to make it out to the events that are held in the United States because of visa issues because the process can be a little bit difficult and there's a chance that you're rejected or that it doesn't go through the first time and we all know how long government processes can take. Last year, the most recent example was for Crossover from Latin America. He qualified for Capcom Cup and wasn't able to come over um, because there just uh, there wasn't enough time and uh, he hit a snag and and so those two things happen and look you're at a Capcom Cup despite the fact that you qualified for it you know in a chance of a lifetime so uh, Sherry has spearheaded this program where essentially it it's community funded and I don't know if they have other backers to help things um, financially move but 
it's helping people uh, with the process of getting their visas and uh, and then further being funded by um, I, I believe there's a Patreon for it, but people can donate and be funded for like hotel and travel and accommodations. And it's um, it's just you know with with the pro tour being what it is, with all of these tours kind of popping up around. I mean, it's been clear that we haven't had enough in the way of uh, transportation and transit and um, fluidity in those processes to really um, like give everybody the opportunity that they're that they're you know otherwise earning and um, so it's nice to see this kind of a thing and it's a really good look for the community a really good move by sherry so a big shout outs to her for getting that started and hopefully we'll soon start seeing players that haven't had a chance to play well get a chance to play there we go so moving on to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Not exactly Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. More about the guy behind Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Masahiro Sakurai. This guy has been known as a workaholic. Uh, he has previously put himself like in the hospital working so hard on Super Smash Bros. games. And it's clear, like the franchise is amazing. It's grown incredibly. You still look at games in the Smash franchise, especially like Melee and the kind of the kind of numbers that they hit and the kind of success that it sees and you go yeah it's it's very clear that there's somebody behind the wheel here that is very special um and and one of his many talents is he just never stops working um and we recently posted an article about sakurai here where it kind of talks about his general work habits one thing that i took away from this he doesn't take time off for for vacation, he doesn't take time off for holidays. Uh, during melee, he worked 13 months without a single day off, 40 hours a week, and then four hours of rest, and then coming back to those 40 hours a week. Uh, this is the kind of guy we're talking about. When he gets sick, he says, "I just get an IV drip and I go to work like normal." What? <laughs> like I work from home. I, I think I've only taken one or two days off, you know, uh, since I started with Event Hubs, and that's because like. You know, you're you're sick to the point where you just can't even you know sit down at your desk and and basically your brain is not is not there and your focus is not there. Uh, just to add some context, there we we do give John time off for vacation time as well. He definitely has you know standard two weeks and all that. <laughs> he does take time off besides. I am, uh, yes, I am treated very well and do not feel overworked or stressed or anything like that. <laughs> and you could drop. I'll drop the twenty dollars under your 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 desk. Much for appreciated. That but yes. Uh, but yeah, I've never brought a, an IV drip to work with me just so that I can work. Instead, it's like the guy does not take time off. But like I said, it shows in the work. Like what has Super Smash Bros become? What is it? continue to grow and evolve into they just had uh, a game release where they have every single character that's been in every single smash game plus more man you take the gloves off and you take the limiters off and who knows the sky's the limit potential is forever yeah it- Sakurai is always seeming to talk about this. In, in, in his defense, it seems to get brought up a lot during interviews where people are like, well, you know, hey, talk about your work ethic or whatever. It, but I, I've, I've just got this picture in my head of, of someone coming into, you know, Nintendo's office and, and, and talking to Sakurai and be like, hey, did you see the baseball game last night? And he's like, sorry, couldn't watch it because I was so busy working my ass off. You know, it's just, he always seems to be talking about this like, dude, like, Okay, we get it. You you work a lot. Like we get it. You're insane. Uh, we got it. But like, are you going to be talking about this for the next like ten years again? Like, is this what we're going to be seeing? And again, I I, I think Sakurai is amazing. Um, he's v- clearly a very special kind of developer. Um, 
the Smash games are just a, a phenomenal, but like you think he it, every dude. every yeah. water cooler conversation he just tries to steer the conversation in such a way where he can talk about how he works so much. <laughs> I that's that's honestly the picture I have in my head right now. Yes, uh, it, it literally I swear half the stories about this guy are just about his work ethic, and yeah, it's it's great. But we got well it, dude, in so. the immortal words of Kid Rock, it ain't bragging if you do it and you back it up. And uh, Sakurai very much backs it up, so <laughs> I can only be so mad at him. I, I can't believe he just quitted Kid Rock, so that's that's where I'm going with that. The only thing I can remember from him is like I want to be a cowboy baby, and that's that's about it. So and then oh yeah, he like he remixed, remixed a bunch of other people's songs that were really good and made them Kid Rock, and that <laughs> there we go. So. Made him even better, you mean, John? Right? <laughs> um, All right. So moving on to bigger and better things, Dead or Alive Six has officially come out. We've been talking about this so much that you would have thought maybe that it's been out already, but it only dropped, uh, what was it, five days ago on March 1st, and people have started playing it, people have begun reviewing it, and we're getting just a basic reception, a basic response from a lot of different corners of the fighting game community. I went around and looked at reviews from, you know, the big sites like IGN and uh, some Silicon Era and Kotaku and whatnot, but then also some other ones that are just more mainstream. You know, like uh, like Newsweek and U.S. Gamer. And then Ruffelmonger, who's just like a straight-up FGC YouTuber. And he does pretty good work, too. He covers a lot of um, Dragon Ball fighters. I, I see the most on his timeline or as of late. But uh, just trying to get a good idea of what it's like to play this new Dead or Alive game. What are the ups? What are the downs? How are people seeing it? And generally, it's got about a 7 or so out of 10. It's a dead or alive game for sure, and the training is very good. So if even if you're coming into the uh, the series for the first time, you're not too sure how to do everything, and there's new mechanics and whatnot, and if the idea of being able to like actually grab and counter people's punches and kicks mid punch or mid kick is intimidating to you, never fear. The game's uh, tutorial mode is great. The visuals, as we've seen, are, are very good, and that's pretty much an expectation. If the visuals were only good, I think people would be upset, but they are very good. It looks very nice. But people are kind of having an issue with the online experience, which seems to be a, a trend with new releases in, in recent years, right? Online is, is, well, it's one of the hardest kind of places to test, I would think, without you know too much in the way of betas. And these games are getting betas, but... I mean, you know, connections are hard to, to come by or or there is a lack of options or a lack of filters. A lot of titles that have recently come out, Soul Calibur and um, Dragon Ball Fighters upon release, even, you know, back as far as Street Fighter V, which we'll get into later, and uh, Smash Bros. Ultimate, just to name a few, have all had issues with online. Well, it's not that much different with Dead or Alive 6. It's also kind of got some turbulence. Netcode seems to be okay, except for sometimes it's not, so, eh. And there's no lobby. Like, you can't... There's no lobby options until later this month. So it feels like they're kind of trying to catch up in that realm. But otherwise, it's a pretty good experience. People are enjoying it for the most part. The story is nothing to uh, write home about as far as, you know, an enticing fighting game story. But most people aren't buying a fighting game for the story unless maybe an NRS, you know, player might be doing that. But... As far as this, it's it's more about the visuals, it's more about the gameplay, and um, and so, not going to be at Evo, but I don't think that Dead or Alive, or I, I rather I should say that I think that Dead or Alive Six is going to do just fine, and that um, that it's going to be a good look 
for Team Ninja and for the franchise. Um, have you seen any reactions to it or, or had any commentary? Yeah, about? the main things that I'm seeing are that uh, the online play is if you both have a really strong connection, it holds up pretty darn well, uh, which is good. That's that's fine. Um, but the moment like leg starts to kick in, it like has a heavy impact on the game uh, in a very negative way. And, and that holds the game back from really being a good online experience i would say uh it's it's unfortunate that if you have to have just like a great connection to consistently play online that's really not a good thing in this day and age because you're going to have a handful of people you play that you're running into right that it, hey it's great it's fine but you're randomly playing ranked and it, it just becomes unplayable at some points because you're playing someone in it you know several states over or whatever or just they have a bad connection and do better it's 2019 uh that it, it your net code shouldn't be that bad basically right mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I'll, I'll chime in on, uh, and just say the story mode is very disjointed in this game. You, you mentioned that a little bit. I think that uh, it, it, it kind of like, they, they kind of build up some elements of it, and then there's no payoff. Like, it just kind of moves on, and it just it's it's like the classic Street Fighter movie where they have so many characters and they're trying to do so many things that a lot of it ends up not ever really having good, much of a payoff or much of an established narrative with it. That's, that's the main stuff I've been hearing about. And, and the other thing I'll mention, too, in the tournament scene is that Dead or Alive uh, 5, it, it had a pretty good following. It wasn't never as big as Tekken. Tekken Tag Tournament 2 was, uh, pardon me, it was not a great look for the franchise as a whole. Um, I, I know that there was a lot of hopes going into that game, but a lot of people did not like it. It did not go well from a you know spectator point of view a lot of problems with it uh but that still always would beat dead or alive five you know usually an entrance and and all that kind of stuff but uh, the game has a pretty decent following here in our community there's a lot of people who respect it and play it um it's uh, very mature uh, from everything I've seen. Yeah. Uh, you know, it got a mature rating. It earned it. You know, uh, I'll just mention that again. Uh, it's freaking developers, man. They're, they're just like, yeah, you know, we toned it down now. We, we haven't changed jack crap. But anyway, I don't want to go into that yet again. But I'll, I'll just say that I think that for the tournament scene, um, it's a game that that if you enjoy it, you're going to have some people out there to play it with and, and, and have a good experience with it, right? Uh, even with King of Fighters uh, 13, we saw that the netcode was, you know, basically garbage in the game for the longest time still people played it online they put it in tournament um there, there's a good scene that's going to support this game i would i would think and, and i would actually be very surprised if it doesn't have you know a good one or two three year you know run in the fighting game community where it's not a marquee game but it's a respected game that quite a few people play one thing that's getting a lot of attention right now in the way of dead or alive 6 is the season pass it mm. is Okay, so it gets you two characters. Um, one is Mai as a guest character in from um, from uh, what's it called, King of Fighters, and the other one I don't think has been named yet. And then you get something in the way of like sixty costumes, a few a few different bundles. So it's like sixty some costumes and two characters. And I'm forgetting if there's anything else. I think that's it. Uh, Ninety three dollars. So <laughs> a game and a half worth of uh, worth of cash there. And people are really reacting to that as if it's over the top. And I mean, it is, but it's not new. Dead or Alive has been charging a buttload, or rather coming out with a buttload of content for these kind of DLC purchases and just kind of rolling, you know, rolling big or rolling high with the numbers because they're like, you got to buy a lot and we're going to give you a lot, and uh, but it's also going to be pricey. And when you break it down compared to other games with how much you're actually getting, it's like it's pretty good in the way of um, efficiency, you know, Per, per item price and such but the idea of spending 150 percent of what you spent on the game 
for some DLC is I don't know what that approach why that would be the thing you do like you I, you want to make it seem like your prices are lower and sending a random $93 price tag as an add-on just kind of is jarring and I don't think a good look but maybe they know something I don't yeah I, my biggest problem with it is instead of calling it a season pass you should call it what it is which is a porno pass and you know put the costumes out there that way that's I didn't talk about this before but that's how the game is set up um, a lot of the more revealing outfits and Again, that's why a lot of people buy and play these games. Uh, it's fine, you know. That's it's do what you want. In the privacy of your own home, you know. Like who cares? That's plenty of people are into that stuff, right? It, it's. Uh, <laughs> They, they've locked a lot of the revealing costumes behind pretty heavy either paywalls like we just talked about are to unlock those it takes a, a lot of grinding and I think there's even a patch coming out here pretty soon that's reducing the amount of grinding you have to do to get um, you know that those costumes unlocked and laugh out loud at my use of lots grinding. of grinding anyway, baby yeah <laughs> well i'm just hoping that i'm gonna I, I gotta figure out a way to put porno pass into the headline of the article that we write for this yeah, i'm i'm okay with this so right on and he's the boss guys so it's gonna happen <laughs> we'll see what steven says when i when i sign off oh. yeah, steven, steven will overrule me sometimes and i just go walk away in my and put my head down in the corner and cry but that's okay. Yeah. Well, okay, just so you guys know, if uh, if Porno Pass isn't in the headline, it's because Steven's not cool. So tweet him that he's not cool, or that he is, if we, we'll see what happens. Moving right along, a few quick shout-outs. Uh, I want to say that uh, Negan dropped finally in mm -hmm. Tekken 7, and I, I, I've played like maybe a game of Tekken 7 at, at one of our like bar nights here locally, but I, I really haven't gotten into the game too much. Uh, it looks very good, and I enjoy watching it, but I haven't played much of it. So this is coming from my perspective as such. The character looks so good, mm -hmm. so cool. His presence while he's fighting, the fact that he uses Lucille and like grates it across your face and such. It doesn't even matter if you are a Tekken player, if you've never seen the series before. I mean, even if you haven't seen Walking Dead, it, obviously that really helps because it gives you an idea of who this character is and, and his significance. But man, just his presence in the game from the footage that I've seen so far, what a win. Like, and, and this was a this was a, a risk that Bandai took. It was it was weird. Remember when Negan was first announced? A lot of us were like, that's cool, but it was there were definitely some some question marks above our heads, right? And we we're kind of like, I don't know if that's gonna work or not. I don't know if I'm sure that I like it. I think it's a good idea, but we'll see. Well, I mean, it's been a ride since when he was first announced to now when he's actually released. But man, I think they did a great job. And Walking Dead, it feels like it's on its way out, but it certainly is still going on and, and it's still you know in primetime television. So really good moves, PR moves and gameplay moves across the board for Bandai with him. I think Julia also dropped and, and she's significant a lot more so for the, uh, the more hardcore Tekken audience. A lot of people are happy to see her back. One of the things with Julia too is I love that, that Bandai Namco threw this in that she tells people to subscribe to her, like her channel and stuff after she beats you. And, and just kind of a nod to the fighting game community that, that we're all kind of content whores at this point in time and, and putting that out there and be like, yeah, this is what we're doing. And, you know, subscribe to my, it's, it's very aware of our scene and it should hold up very well over time. Like that, that's something we can look back to as a, a good, you know, like kind of landmark moment where, where it's like, oh, that was cool that they threw that in there. It's, I like seeing that, you know, it's a, kind of the Blanca Chan in uh, 
in Street Fighter V, like that's not as uh, I guess so so much aware of our community as this one, but it's still like it's something we can look back on with fond memories. I think, and it's it's cool to see that in there. I love when developers are are really aware of, of the hardcore scene and what's going on, and, and just put that you know those kind of inclusions. So. Yeah, and he looks like he might be OP. This, uh, I'm not oh. certain, but oh. he looks like he's really good. And here's the thing, though, he's also the kind of character that I feel if he is OP, people will go. Oh yeah, well that makes sense, and and it's like it's not necessarily okay, mm-hmm. but it's more okay than most other characters. Like he has such a status about him that I would venture to say that if he's like one of the best or that he's broken, th- it'll still be an expectation that he gets nerfed and regulated down to you know play nice with others. Um, but it's like people go, yeah, I kind of expect that he's he deserves it in a weird way, if that makes any sense. But when you have a character that has so much um, like charisma, I guess it is, then uh, that really opens up doors for you, and it's a really good look, and it and it just puts your game in a good light. And so I wanted to you know give a thumbs up to Bandai Namco for what looks to be a pretty big victory with Negan. Yeah, it's interesting that Nee is actually playing Negan right now. It's um, so perfect. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm like, hmm, okay, you know it. it, it this is a top level competitor here in Tekken. The fact he's picked up, you know, Negan already, you're going, okay, yeah, there, there, you might be right, you know, that he's a very strong character so far. Um, so interesting. Uh, we'll see. You know, it's uh, sometimes new characters come out and people just kind of pick them up to play them. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll see what happens there. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and one other quick shout out because science is a YouTube channel that does kind of cool science experiments that usually pertain to what you're seeing in pop culture and such and they're doing a series on Mortal Kombat 11 right now they've got two videos up and we've covered both of them on the website here but the most recent one uh, explores one of Scarlet's fatalities where um, and for those that don't know Scarlet can basically manipulate blood and um, and use it as weapons and such and so she makes uh, little sickles and then launches them at her opponent so because science has a really cool video where they do their best to recreate this and see how well I don't even want to say realistic because duh it's not realistic but it's a cool uh, they shoot um, like stakes like blood stakes out of a, out of an air gun high powered at a as realistic as you can make it ballistics torso and uh, and then at the end they also like just turn it up to full blast because that's what you're really here to see but it's a cool <laughs> little watch as they examine and and obviously not for the week of heart you know if, if they, there's a lot of talk about blood and, and such but it's something cool that i would recommend you guys check out if you have an extra minute just one of those things where you go oh uh, neat you know mm-hmm. So yeah I'll, I'll throw it in there the, the because science guy is really good uh he generally has his his knowledge is at a high level, but what he's very good at is explaining things and making them entertaining. And and you could talk for five hours. I'm sure we've all had professors and teachers that would lecture kind of like endlessly and you're like, oh, crap, just kill me now. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't listen to you doing this. This guy is very, uh, very good at explaining things in an entertaining way that you can understand. And, and it is awesome that that Mortal Kombat like got him from YouTube and said, hey, dude, like, come on over and, and do this. Um, we'll make a series on it. it. It's awesome to see, again, another person reward rewarded for their abilities and tied into the FGC. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the first one that they did was uh, involving Sub-Zero's fatality of flash freezing a human head and then punching it and seeing if you could actually shatter it or not. And they bring on a UFC champ 
uh, to do that, which is pretty cool too. So, I mean, again, something just kind of fun to watch if you have an extra few minutes. And if you um, and if you don't want to watch the whole thing, you can always just skip to where the uh, the actual business happens. Yeah, um, I, I said he's really good at explaining stuff, but I may have been short on time and skipped right to the action on a few of this stuff. So <laughs> forgive me. But anyway. Ah. So moving along, we had a big fat Honda hint. <laughs> Uh, so okay, let me let me um, let me just lay this out. Ono, the uh, one of the the big dogs at Street Fighter Five, uh, and his his trusty Blanca doll that he puts in almost every photo that he takes, but he also uses um, to signify that uh, like a new announcement or a new character even is coming. Uh, recently, sat down with a box of a uh, it was like a Japanese chocolate, mm-hmm. and it's uh, simultaneously like a fortune cookie sort of thing. Where when you open up the chocolate, there are I believe something like gold flakes in it, and and they're supposed to signify something about your future or your fortune and how lucky you're going to be. And then on the box itself of this chocolate. Uh, sometimes you'll get this little outline of an angel and that will be either in silver, which is rare, or in gold, which is extremely rare. Ono got one of these and got a silver angel. So what he did was he took a picture of him um, with that angel pour, like on the box as if though he were pouring the box out onto his desk. But he has his Blanca doll where basically the contents of the box, it looks like he poured Blanca out and Blanca kind of represents luck or the luck that came from this uh, particular purchase. And it's above his mouse pad, which has all of the Street Fighter II characters um, before the new challengers and then Sean for some reason. And Blanca is directly covering Honda. So we thought, well, maybe that's a hint that the last original Street Fighter II character that isn't in Street Fighter V may be en route to Street Fighter V. And uh, Ono actually tweeted back at us and said, you're reading into it too much, winky face. Yeah, (laughs) that really took me back to my younger years when I was dating girls and they were expecting me to read into really obscure hints and uh, like motions that they would do and like, hey, why didn't you pick up on this that I was doing? I'm like, what the how I don't I don't know why can't you just say what you're saying and put it out there but this is Ono and and my goodness uh reading into so much of what he says is is usually valid to do uh unless it's a complete troll uh which has happened before where uh back in the AE days um it was uh um, this is Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition I should say because we have two Arcade Editions now but um anyway um he posted a photo of, of Dalsim uh, lighting someone up on fire. And, and this is, you know, Yan and Yang and Evil Ryu and Oni were um, either like it was right around the time they were either announced or like about to be announced. And, and so people are wondering, oh, it's a new character. Like, why is he putting up there? He had his classic Blanca doll, you know, in the uh, in the camera part. And and. and <laughs> So everyone's speculating, and they speculated for months uh, of discussion on this. Even after those four characters came to Arcade Edition, people were still wondering if that was a new character and that was something that was going on. And this is like Ono 101. This is what he does. It's what he put it, puts out there. So with what's going on right now, uh, Ono actually goes back and grabs a tweet from September six months ago, about six months ago, that spoke about Honda after we ran our story and responded to it saying basically, oh, right, 
He's not in it, huh? Speaking of Honda, uh, we didn't really mean or think of disincluding him. Sorry. And it's like, why did you go back to a tweet that was six months old after we ran our story and go and respond to it at that point in time? Like, that's going through Ono's timeline and all of his mentions for six months. Like, you'll be there for a while. That's not something that's easy to go back to. And he, he did he spend a couple hours trying to find Honda tweets? Did he search it out and find that? Like, what did he do? And then why did he do that after that point in time with a tweet from September? So we're sitting here all looking at the, this 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 Blanca doll on a mouse pad, um, and he didn't have to take the, like the photo of the Blanca doll on the mouse pad. Like that that placement, like for sure, was was meant to be interesting or or something else. Like he could have put the Blanca anywhere on his desk and and done the same exact tweet and not had that in there. Maybe he wanted the Street Fighter branding in there for some reason. But the placement of Blanca on the mouse pad was definitely intentional. Where he placed it on the mouse pad. That's up for debate. Maybe it was coincidence that he was covering Honda's head. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. And people were saying, even before we ran the story, just in that immediate Twitter post, people were saying, why are you covering Honda? Like, we weren't the only ones to think that. So I'll be candid in my own personal response to this. When I saw this, I thought, like, the very first tweet, I go, eh, I feel like it's a stretch. But it's also enough that people are talking about it, that it's worth, and it's, and it's Ono. And anyone that knows Ono, it's like, yeah, everything should be read into a bit. It's fun. It's part of the game. Um, and, and I kind of had my doubts to begin with, but it's like, yeah, let's run the story. Then he responds to us, and I believe it was Justin did the follow-up story where basically we doubled down. Ono said, nope, you guys are wrong. And we're like, <laughs> is it actually right because Ono said we're wrong? And um, and it, my first reaction to that was like, oh my gosh, guys, just let it die. Just let it die. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I was talking to Majin Tenshinhan, who, uh, of everybody on staff, he is the fastest and the quickest to tell you what's on his mind and be just flat out. And he also tends to be the most reserved uh, or one of the most reserved in like, yeah, I, I'll believe it when I see it. He wouldn't necessarily jump into something like this in my experiences. And I go, oh my gosh, Nick, how do you, how do you feel about this? Like, are, are we just kind of, are we going in too hard here? He's like, with the way Ono posted about our post, and then the fact that he went back and actually did the research or, or you know dug up that old post and everything, I, I'm leaning more towards now that it actually might be legitimate. I don't know if I personally still feel like it's legitimate. I think it would be cool to have Honda. I actually enjoyed playing him in Street Fighter 4. Uh, but what do you think as far as how likely it is that we're getting Honda um, at this okay, point? Okay, now I, I'm going to turn this on and say I will answer your question. But, but since you, you prefaced it like that, I, I have to throw this back at you. How surprised would you be if if Honda is announced at so, Final Round? So not. I wouldn't okay. be surprised. And okay. I would be retweeting that old story all day and, like, you know, just, just <laughs> lording it over everyone uh, that, like, yeah, reading too much into it. Huh, guys? And, right. uh, that's, and that's send Ono just a, just a spam wall of winky faces. It would be great. <laughs> uh, but, so if, I, if I'm going to give my opinion as to how much I think, like, how likely I think Honda is, I'm going to put it at, like, a 4 out of 10. Okay. So just yeah, below I, average. I'm actually going to put it a little bit higher than you, but not much. I'm going to say 50-50 because of when you and I were both at Capcom Hub, Cup, uh, Hub 2, I guess. But <laughs> anyway, uh, we both heard that E-Honda was rumored there. And and those were the same rumors that we heard with Kage. We knew about Kage like a you know day or two before or whatever it happened. 
And those are kind of like my big three at this moment in time is Rose, Sodom, and, and Honda in terms of the characters that I think are most likely coming to the game. Uh, Rose, again, I'm about as sure of as can be. Uh, if all but confirmed is, is kind of how I view her at this moment in time. Uh, again, I don't know about this season, but but in the future at some point. Um, and now Honda, like I'm just... When you hear enough whispers about a character, you start to think that there's some fire with the smoke. So again, I still only put him at 50-50, but with the other characters we kind of have confirmed and how unlikely I kind of thought he was from the get-go, uh, he's been fairly low on popularity, you know, polls and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think he makes more sense, and, and yeah. Yeah, he does feel like, I think what you're getting at there is that if it's the last year or two, similar to how we talked about why I wouldn't want to see Goken, for instance, because there's just not a, I don't think there's probably a whole lot of time left in the game. Um, and I wouldn't want to just, you know, see him for a little bit and then have to move on to something else. Uh, but Honda does feel like with how much people, you know, like him, there are definitely Honda fans out there. There are definitely people that uh, really love the character, main the character. And he certainly has his place at the Street Fighter table. But of everyone, he's one of the candidates to be like, yeah, you, you're, you know, you, you come in at the end sort of a thing. Just because he's not as popular as everyone else. And I'm not certain why. Um, I also don't think that he... Okay, so he would, in Street Fighter V, would either be really bad or really good. But I don't think there's anything in the middle for him. And I think he would be probably have to be broken if he was going to be really good, right? So... Mm. Uh, and and that's just a, a hot take at it. Who knows what direction they would go with him and, and such, and uh, if his headbutts would be safe and and do a million chip damage or space him out properly or, or what, you know. But I just don't think that um, it, it's hard to make that character good without making him the best. So uh, speaking of the best, it, you and I both have a friend who's known for playing Honda. Do you think that if Honda comes out, we might see a certain... No, I don't. Okay. I don't think. I think, man, you know, last time I yeah. talked to Mike... Last time uh, we talked, he was, he was done. Yeah, I just... I, 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 he would have to, like, we'll have to be monitoring his, his, you know, PlayStation account or something like that to see him jump back on, like, because he, he has to try Honda. And we're talking about Mike Ross here. He has to play Honda at least a little bit, uh, even if he, he hates the game or however he feels about it. Like, he has to try him. Like, it's just, it's it's poetic, you know, if, if he's at it. So, and, and it would be so funny to see him come back and play and be, like, this tournament-level player uh, because Honda's added. And sometimes it's what it takes. Like, we... You can hate a game and, and not like it until they add the one thing that makes you like the game. And, and that's normal. Uh, I, I struggled for the first probably two seasons finding a character I truly enjoyed in Street Fighter V. I played the game. I had a lot of fun with it. But I didn't love the game until I found Monat. That really took that happening um, for me to just really like just fall kind of head over heels in love with the game. And it's my favorite Street Fighter game right now. Um Longer discussion there in terms of explaining. Wait, that wait, whole, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. Like of all time, or oh, yeah. just oh yeah, Street Fighter Five is my favorite game uh, of in in the Capcom uh, fighting game library uh, ever. It, it's I think it's a terrific game, highly underrated for what it offers. Uh, and it, but if they did not have Manat in there, that may not be the case. And she has opened up so many doors in this game for me to actually play footsies, to play stuff I want to do. Um, it's I, I never had that with Bison or with Vega or Laura. Um, uh, those were characters that, that were too one-dimensional and, and they made the game really stale and not that fun. Vega was pretty good. I, like He wasn't so bad in that regard, but then they nerfed the crap out of him and then like mm -hmm. you're basically just constantly losing. That's never fun anyway. So, um, But yeah, this is my favorite Street Fighter game ever oh, nice. so well, anyway so mike ross if, if honda comes out and he's good and he's playing him and he's like getting top eight tournaments again and stuff like that and he's jumping like crazy then we know 
we we know that 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 it's a possibility at least i should say <laughs> like Man, the, and he, what a look for street fighter 5 that would be if suddenly you had the charisma of mike ross in your tournaments again uh, but man okay, okay so we're uh, way we, too far we've gotten off the rails land, here yeah getting yeah, the is, hopes up yeah, making the people shuffle in their yeah. seats none <laughs> street right, fighter so, 5 best street fighter game that's what we're taking away from this and moving right along to um Actually, just to back up here, uh, I, I do want to add that we're expecting an update in March um, based on Capcom's official wording here, um, but we don't know what that will entail. It could be a brand new character. It could be that they have a new costume for Chun-Li. There could be a lot of things going on. Um, it's There's a lot of rumors on the internet. I just want to I just want to say that you know it, we're, we're putting a lot on this, but I'll throw it out there that Capcom's made no promises here. Uh, they've not really made any heavy hints. Uh, it could be a long time until we get something else. So I, I will just throw that you out there for, too. For Street Fighter Five announcements? Yeah, exactly. Well, they said something to the effect that we'll get something in March and something in November, right? Right, exactly. Exactly what I'm referring to, but it's something. And what is that something? Is it like a new stage or a new costume for Chun-Li or what? So. Sure, sure. Um, I, I would still put my money on that it's going to be a, a character reveal, but I'll, at the same time, I wouldn't be amazed if it wasn't. I would just be like mm-hmm. sad and stuff, which which happens. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so a few communities that might be a little sad are those whose game isn't going to be on the uh, the Sunday finals lineup for Evo this year. Uh, we got the full lineup last week, and the Evo TOs are doing things a little bit differently this time, having only four games play out on Sunday. And I think that's a really good call because you know there's there's a lot going on and um, it, it, things were just running a little bit too late. A lot of people have early mornings of travel the following Monday there, um, but the games that were chosen for the Sunday finals were Street Fighter V, Tekken Seven, Smash Ultimate, and then Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, and that puts both the brand new Mortal Kombat 11 and then Dragon Ball Fighters as Saturday games. And at first glance, I was kind of surprised to see Blaze Blue get a Sunday spot over those other two titles. But there are a couple of angles and like you know different lights through which to look at this situation. And so before I go any further, I'd first just like to get your response to it. Yeah, I'm, the main thing is that I think Evo's pretty con- traditionally done this. They they don't save all their best games for the final day. Um, they like to break them up, and it's kind of nice to have a really premier game happen on um, on a Saturday. I think they've done that with Marvel, you know, in the past, um, and they've done it with a few other games where it ended, uh, you know, the, the, the day before, basically. Um, and it, it's kind of nice you, you have you have the time to celebrate that game and, and just see what happens basically unfold. It doesn't bother me at all at this point. Um, I think it makes more sense to break it up over a few days than it has to, to, to have it all on the same day now. Right. And so the, the, the big thing for me is the fact that the Sunday finals are held in the whole other, you know, auditorium Coliseum esque um, um, stadium, right? And there's a certain amount of prestige that comes with that, at least on the surface level. So my first reaction is, you know, games that I think are probably higher, I guess, profile should should go there. But as you start to break it down, it's like, yes, they are in the fancier venue. Well, we can say that, but there's more to it than that. If you're the very first game on Sunday, are you getting as much attention from people that are not just your general gaming audience? You know, like so, so Blaze Blue, um, if they're going on, you know, Sunday morning, are they getting more than just the Blaze Blue crowd? Or is everybody else sleeping in or doing other stuff until, you know, their game is, or, 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 
either their game is playing or they're just awake and ready to start you know processing watching you know fighting game finals basically is sunday or is saturday morning like a, a less popular spot I'm sorry, Sunday morning, a less popular spot than maybe a Saturday night where people are already, you know, kind of warmed up and ready to go. And and the Saturday night becomes a really big main event spot that's actually, you know, better than others, even if it's not on the finals day. Um, I think that Mortal Kombat kind of deserves, even though it's not out yet, it kind of deserves just with the, the fact that it, it's the Mortal Kombat franchise. It looks great. We're expecting big things. And it's such a visual game. Right? It's such a game that's been made to be watched that you would hope to have it amidst all the other games in the in the big um, center area at, at the uh, on Sunday. And then Dragon Ball Fighters had the most viewers last year of all the Evo Finals games, and so you go, wow, yeah, and you and you kicked them to Saturday, which feels like it might be a little bit lower status, but maybe it's actually going to be the place where they actually can get the most viewers. Who knows? But um, something I think that people might be wondering about a little bit, and I think it's, it deserves a little bit more of, um, of an investigation and discussion. Right. So moving along, another Mortal Kombat-centric topic here. A lot of Mortal Kombat 11 apparently leaked, and, uh, and it's the, the Internet's going crazy right now about that. Uh, there was a, almost a full character select screen that popped up, and then a handful of character models that looked really real when I saw them. Um, basically, it's to the point where if they're not real, then I want to find out who did them and congratulate them and maybe you know <laughs> hire them for something because, they, man, these looked really good. But people are, of course, also reacting with, uh, I don't want to know what the characters are beforehand and leaks really suck and all of this. So where do we fit in with all of this? Uh, I I I'm trying to dodge the leaks uh, as much as possible because I think in this era of 2019 that a lot of journalism websites are saying we're not going to put this in the headline we're not going to put this in our imagery but if you click you know after the jump or whatever you'll find all the stuff that you want um, we try to respect the fighting game companies as much as we can in terms of not actively seeking out leaks. We actually, I'll, I'll tell a story about this. Um, we actually found out about a leak that had happened in the past. And instead of uh, posting about it, we had informed the company uh, that the leak had happened and they were actually able to shut it down and they got their spot saved at a press conference at E3. Uh, if the leak got out there, like they actually would have gotten shut down and taken out of the press conference. Uh, and they, uh, so we ran into them like at an E3 a few you know years later and they like thanked us up and down for doing that. They're like, thank you so much. Uh, and it it can hurt these games, but you you do see leaks up on our website, right? And and our standard approach with that is um, we want to if the dam breaks, if like that information is just prevalent and like there's kind of no way of hiding it and it's all over the place. We kind of have to put it out there. Um, we infamously put the Grinch leaks out there for Smash Ultimate. Those ended up not being true. You know, um, sometimes we, we make these judgment calls to put stuff out there. Uh, one, that we either know is true uh, and two, that we we kind of like can't ignore. Uh, this has kind of been the approach of like, man, you're right. Like there, there probably is, but the game's also very close to being out there. Um, so to take this back, because I'm, I'm being very contradictory, like with, with my statements, right? Like that's, that's not good. Um, 
it's it's a conversation every single time it happens with our team. And I'll get, you know, phone calls late at night like, hey, this leaked. Does it need to go up? Does it not need to? Uh, it just kind of depends on how much the dam is broken. Uh, but if there's a way of sweeping it under the rug, because uh, we hear a lot of things, um, we'll generally try to do that because it's, it's more helpful for the fighting game developers to not have these leaks come out there and be front and center. Uh, and, and again, that's it's not cool to do to them. So we try to avoid it. And it kind of sucks because... Mortal Kombat or NRS has been doing such a good job with their PR and keeping things fairly under wraps for the most part. And it's been a an enticing narrative the entire time thus far with the combat casts. They've been fun to watch. The reveals have been really cool. And so if anyone's going to get spoiled, you're hoping it's not going to be their stuff. And they actually released a big, beefy story trailer today that showed off a handful of new characters that we hadn't seen in the game yet. Um, I think most of them were included in that those leaks, although not everyone from the the leaks has been revealed in the game yet. So we'll, we'll you know we're not certain that it's actually real. Um, but again, the the trailer looks really cool. It's very enticing because there's a um, I won't I won't go in too far to it because I don't want to spoil it for anybody if they want to go back and watch it. And it's one of the very first stories on the front page, um, at least right now it is. And uh, but there's like kind of new twists as to the the new alliances of be, guys that used to be bad or used to be good or kind of switching sides around and it's it's making for well what we expect to be a really cool story because one it's NRS but um, but yeah it's it's Mortal Kombat's not I don't think getting hit too hard by these uh, new reveals or rather these uh, leaks the reveals that they're not necessarily wanting to be out there yet. Um, and, and we're still chugging right along up to uh, April 23rd, I believe the release date is. And uh, I think people are still really looking forward to it. They're really excited. Um, this is still driving a lot of conversation about the game. And, um, and, and ultimately, I think it's in a good place. Yeah. I, I'll say the story mode looks really compelling and fun. Uh, and it, it's, uh, I think NRS generally has a very high watermark for their, their storylines and, and story modes, I should say, in their games. Uh, there's been a, one, I think, that, that people are kind of upset about uh, that didn't really hit home and was confusing and didn't you know resonate well. But this one looks like really over the top, uh, a lot of violence, a lot of fun, like gun action and all that. Like It's weird seeing you know fighting and characters just have this giant like chain gun they're shooting and doing all this stuff. But that's great. It, it, it fits with Mortal Kombat super well. Uh, this is one that's kind of drawn me in. I'm like, I might have to like buy the game just to play the story mode. Uh, I'm I'm kind of looking at this one and eyeing it a little bit just for that reason alone. But but we'll see. I mean, you can always just watch it on YouTube. That's what I did with the Injustice yeah. one, I think it was. But yeah, I mean, I was pulled in enough by the success of Mortal Kombat Nine or Mortal Kombat 2011 that I just, if nothing else, even if I didn't want to buy the whole game, I wanted to see what the uh, the story was like. And so, uh, which which Mortal Kombat was it that you were referring to that didn't have the best story? I was actually referring to an Injustice game, uh-huh. uh, and uh, yeah, it's a there's one of them that got kind of confusing on the storyline, and people were kind of upset with how it kind of came together. Uh, it was still NRS quality; it's still good, but overall, the narrative didn't seem to resonate very well with people. Oh, well, the narrative for Capcom and their esports ventures looks to have a pretty bright future right now. Uh, Capcom recently updated their IR report page with a message from company president Haruhiro Sujimoto. Uh, we usually hear about his son, Ryozo, who's now um, especially famous for his work on Monster Hunter World, as well as the fact that he's moved over to become more of a head of the fighting game community, or uh, division, rather, I should say. But anyway, his dad, 
our hero, he put out a statement talking about Capcom's um, esports goals and and what they're looking at as far as the future goes. And basically what he said is, uh, we're, we're doubling down, we're going in hard, we are fully engaging in the esports market, focusing on 5, 10, and even 20 years into the future. And, um, and you can read the whole thing, it's actually not that long, that's the gist of it. Now, the significance to me though, is that if you're talking about Capcom, and you're talking about esports, there's really only one title that they've done, or well, one franchise, I guess you could say, because maybe Street Fighter Four applies to this a little bit with its um, with its final days and the early days of esports and such. But it's Street Fighter Five is their esports title, and I will say that Resident Evil Two, the remake, people are doing speed runs, and I think Capcom's doing something with like contests for speed runs. So maybe you can entertain that as esports as well. But for all intents and purposes, you're talking about Street Fighter as far as the examples that they have thus far uh, for their personal examples, they can obviously look at other avenues and other companies and other games. But that tells me that if they are moving forward with their heads this high and that they're embracing it even further, that the Street Fighter V esports story, as far as Capcom is concerned, is a really good one thus far. That there's been a lot of success, that they've been seeing the things that they've wanted to see, and they're ready to put even more into it. And I think that when I mean, we talk about Street Fighter V in negative lights a lot of times because you know, it's got its problems and whatnot, uh, but it's, it's easy to, when it's the thing that it's cool to hate on, as we've spoken to before, that it's easy to get this kind of negative view on it or see it as something of a, of a failure, at least in certain avenues. And I think that this stands as a very clear statement that Capcom has not seen it as a failure and has gotten out of it at least enough of what they were hoping to get out of it. Uh, it might not be this, you know, this fount of success in every in every which way, but it certainly is helping them out. It certainly is doing what they wanted it to do, and um, and I think that that's a good thing to keep in mind and to say, yeah, like because because a lot of Street Fighter Five was um as we'll be getting into a little bit was like the first time through and when you're doing something for the first time in this realm of this particular realm of esports and and these new ventures you're gonna screw up right you're gonna have problems like like what is it success is paved by you know the stepping stones of failure or something along those lines like you're gonna screw up so that you know how to do it right and there there have been screw-ups and there have been like they, they're trying to implement like you know the loot boxes or the ads and and you know the, the initial launch all these things like there have been some pretty big problems with the game and um and some kind of odd looks in terms of esports too but ultimately a success yeah it, it's uh it- I think that we've talked about this quite a bit in terms of of Capcom having a firm eye on this esports future, basically. And they have two corporate officers at at their thing. That's a big deal. Uh, There's plenty of divisions that only have one officer kind of overseeing it. Uh, And you would look at their esports and go, that's not that big of a division. Like, what are you guys doing there? Uh, They have a lot of people at Capcom USA. Uh, Michael Martin recently got promoted to, um, I think it's director of esports. And so congratulations to him. Um, and we're, we're seeing them, every bit of messaging we're seeing from them is, is doubling down on this, this esports outlook that look, this is a big deal for us. And it's not too hard to read between the lines there and say, okay, one, 
it doesn't make that much sense for Street Fighter V to be your primary esports title, given the you know the problems that the game has had, and that it's limited to one platform, two platforms with PC. Bear with me, but I mean it, it's it, the game is far too limited for what it needs. Also, damn, does it ever make a lot of sense to maybe have another esports game that we know is big, uh, that people hold up signs for at random sporting events and say wins Marvel and all that kind of stuff? And you know, we're hearing murmurs of a Marvel versus Capcom four coming at some point. Uh, we're also hearing a lot about the next generation consoles being highly backwards compatible and coming from a, a programming background and uh, you know a bit of having a bit of knowledge about this stuff. It wouldn't be the worst thing ever are overly hard either to have Marvel come out on this platform, uh, this, this generation of hardware and have it like upscale and do whatever it needs to do. Uh, if you have a pretty good idea of what the next generation platforms are going to be and how they're going to work, uh, if you can just kind of scale it up and through. So uh, I, again, I'm not saying, Hey, Marvel's coming. It's going to be out in a month. You know, that let's go for it. You know, I, but at the same time, if there is a Marvel on the horizon and it hits in this generation of platforms uh, versus next, I wouldn't be super surprised where, you know, maybe a year or two from now, I would have been very surprised about that. Like uh, previously, I should say a year or two previously, that would have been a, a pretty big shock to me. Um, things are changing. You know, we have the cloud platforms that are that are coming, uh, coming in, the cloud platforms. Um, with those, it's changing the game of, of how we've, we've always seen um, our consoles, basically. And I, I don't know how much of that is reality versus some kind of, you know, vaporware hype, you know, type stuff that, that's coming down the pipe. But it's there, we're getting enough word of that where, where things are really changing for the consoles. And, and some of the, the, the playbook, we kind of have to throw out the window that we've had in the past. So again, uh, long story short here, I can see probably not a Street Fighter Six on this generation of, of hardware, but I can see a Marvel versus Capcom 4 coming out on this hardware and being very good and just kind of like transitioning pretty smoothly into the next, the next generation of consoles. Yeah, it, it's clear that Street Fighter V is more of a test bed, but the test went well. I guess that's what we've been saying. Um, and, and something else to take into account too, Marvel Infinite, I believe, was supposed to be another esports kind of avenue for Capcom, right? We had that leaked YouTube video where um, they were talking about it in a very, very esports light, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that went the way of the Dodo. And so that was probably a pretty big hit to Capcom's fighting game esports. And I, I mean, at this point, their esports division, you know, completely because it's really all they have in, in this particular realm. But even with that, we're still looking into the future and onto the horizon with high hopes and with big intent. And I think that that's just one more reason to uh, to be excited about the future. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Street Fighter V just recently celebrated its third birthday. It came out on uh, February 16th of 2016. And we wanted to look back over the, the life of Street Fighter V and see just how much has changed. Because a lot of times, especially if you spend you know a day-to-day -day process and you see someone or something like this, um, every single day, you don't notice the changes. And then you see like a picture or something or a video of them from just a few years ago and you go, wow, you've lost or gained weight or your hair was different or, or something like that. And it's a, really a shock. And so we've been with Street Fighter V for three years now. And for most of us, it's been a daily thing. Uh, looking back at it, though, like there's been a lot of progress, a lot of changes made. And um, and it, it's it's become, at least in, in some ways, a completely different entity, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so I look back to launch and to year one. 
when we had things like Zenny. <laughs> well, we didn't quite have Zenny. We were going to have Zenny, um, and that never, ever came to fruition. Uh, but you know, just th that's one of the things where I go, oh, yeah, totally Zenny. And in the early builds, there was actually a little... Um, like a little icon for it right above your your name just on the on the main menu is like you have this much fight money this much lead points this much zenny <laughs> um but you look back and uh remember that that blue overlay mm -hmm. and the uh the beginnings of it all the game launches <laughs> just start from day one but it launches and it's very much not a complete game and people talk about it it was, it was pretty widely panned. It was like, yeah, it's there. Yeah, you can play it. But when you sit down, you have versus mode that works. Online is there, but it's riddled with problems because it's not regulated and the net code is shoddy. And you know, so you have people rage quitting left and right. And so that's not that much fun. Um, we're starting out with 16 characters, uh, which was exciting enough. But then like no single player modes. You had like a quick story background for each character that consisted of like two or three mindlessly easy fights and and then you were done and uh, and then you had like trials if you wanted to to practice them when that was cool it's fun and then you had survival mode which was the polar opposite of how mindlessly easy the story modes were it was the hardest thing in the world and it was demoralizing and it sucked and it locked the um, well the the colors for costumes were locked behind it Man, it was a it was a total crap show, you know, when this yeah. game first dropped. I wanted, Do you remember how you felt when it first came out? I just wanted to add in that 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 you talked about the story mode, and there's an image of Laura where she looks like a xenomorph, and that's from like the Alien movies, like the aliens in there, and it it looked awful. And how did that get in? Like, how did that make it through? And I just I think the artists were just kind of racing trying to get like stuff done and it shows how rushed the game was because no artist wants to put that out there like that is mm -hmm. awful and it's kind of enshrined in the history of street fighter 5 at this point uh, of like ooh, that i mean ken's face like uh, oh my goodness <laughs> um but yeah so, so you say like what do i remember i remember cfn not working i remember yes. matchmaking taking there was no store there's yeah. no story yet. <laughs> yes. I wanted uh, Chun-Li was one of the characters I looked at from the get-go, and I was really upset that I didn't like pre-order at like Best Buy or whatever to get her costume. I got the Ryu one, and it's like, well, I really want that dress costume. Like, Give that one to me, and it's, I, I can't even buy it. I, I can't I, even give you money if I wanted to yes. give you money. <laughs> um, so CFN was, was broken. Matchmaking took a really long time. I just remember sitting there sometimes for five or ten minutes and not getting matched up with anyone. Uh, and The then, game would go to sleep. It yeah. would sometimes go to sleep would, on you because it thought you left. <laughs> yeah, and then when I would get matched with someone, I'd get the same person over and over and over again. Uh, I remember that being a huge problem. Like, oh, guess what? I'm playing Filipino Champ for the fifth time in a row. Thanks, you know, Capcom. I'd really like to play someone else. Uh, and then uh, I remember actually grinding for quite a bit of time on the game. And then uh, my league points. Um, I would get up to a point where I was, I was ranked fairly high. Uh, and then I play someone really low with league points. And it was just a, a total horrible situation because if I lost, uh, I would lose like 200 points. And if I won, I'd get like five points. And, and they actually did fix that now. Like you, you generally only play people around your level. But I mean, even for people that were trying to rank up, like imagine that like, oh, great. Now I'm playing like a platinum level, you know, uh, Laura player this is not fun. I don't want to play this. Like I'm in, I'm in silver. Like why am I playing a platinum player or whatever? It was, it was bad. It was just so many problems. Yeah. Plus you had unregulated rage quitting and, and these are just like kind of quality of life issues that, that came out with the game when it was, 
when it was first you know released it wasn't even capcom's like intention right um and and so I, 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 yes, the game had a bunch of issues when it first started, but if you fast forward a little bit, they start to catch up, right? They begin releasing their DLC characters. We get a store. We get the cinematic story mode. I think that was about four months after the game actually had dropped. And so it started to become more of an actual game that you can play. Um, I, I, but I will back up just a little bit because I think it's important, although it doesn't, it's, it's well, I'll just, I'll just say it. Um, you have your casual and your competitive crowd, right? And when the game first starts, Capcom made a conscious effort to make the gameplay itself uh, a little more friendly for the casuals in that there was uh, it was more simple, less execution. Um, you didn't have to grind as much to start seeing wins. That was a little bit of a strike uh, if you're a competitive player. The competitive players didn't like that as much because they didn't really want a simplified thing. Um, in as far as the gameplay goes, and so uh, we, we talked about there's <laughs> eight frames of input lag, there, um, and I don't know that that was necessarily something that Capcom implemented. I think that was just there because of Unreal Engine and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it, that wasn't a good look either, in, in sort of that same vein. But anyways, the, the well, I mean, they did have the wonderful messaging that the input lag was intentional, and that was out there. And they're like, no, well, it wasn't intentional. Uh, well, maybe it was. So. This story, man, there's so much turbulence in the Street Fighter V story. <laughs> and we're just still in like the, the first year here. But um, so, so but what I'm trying to get to is that they made a conscious decision that the competitive crowd didn't really love, but it was for the casual crowd. You know, it's a give and take if, if you can't have everything. But then the, the game itself was not for casuals. It was not for single players because there was this really easy or, or demoralizingly hard um, single player modes and and either way you don't want to do it you didn't want to sit down and do it you might do the story mode for for some fight money and you'd be motivated to do the survival mode for uh, to, to get costume colors and such but it was like so much grinding and you'd get to level like you know 27 of 30 and die and it would just be completely gone and it's because the computer's reading your inputs and uh, it just wasn't fun for single or casual players. Really, all the game had going for it was its versus mode, and that you know still had issues with gameplay. But they kind of did like the worst of both worlds, where they 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 made it for casuals, and and they took away from the competitives what the competitive players wanted. But then they didn't do anything else, so the casuals didn't stick around. But the competitive still had to play in this game that was somewhat designed for the casuals. It was just it was not a good look. Um, but you know, it's been attended to since these kind of issues. And so we'll continue on with our story here. Uh, like we said, we got story mode, we got an in-game store, we started seeing the characters coming out and it was clear that Capcom was still behind. I think it was, um, it was Ibuki and Balrog that wound up coming out together because one of them was delayed. I I don't remember which one it was in the order, but we'll say Balrog was delayed. So he ended up coming out with Ibuki later on. I remember Hans announcing that that was going to happen at CEO of that year, so CEO 2016. And I think like that moment had been preceded by so much negativity. When Hans came into the CEO ring and announced that, it was the first time that I remember feeling like Street Fighter V was starting to catch up. And then we got to the second year where they had released the first six characters. They gave us another balance patch. And, and, and we got balance patches actually about two on average a year 
and that was good. So there was a, there was attention paid to the gameplay. Uh, they got rid of throw loops for the most part. They started to nerf anti-air jabs. So quality of life with gameplay started to become better uh, at the beginning of season two. But then of course they also introduced the, uh, the robbery characters with their crazy V triggers. And so there was a lot of turbulence when it came to actual gameplay. Um, and I think, I feel like season two was probably the most frustrating. Um, as I look back in terms of gameplay and in terms of because you'd face off against a Laura, a Urian, a Balrog, and you'd be doing really well until V trigger happened. And it felt like, like as Tokido said, that's when the game started. Um, and, and it just kind of simplified the game down to like a silly coin flip that no one really wanted to play, um, except for maybe, say, for Balrog players. But uh, did, would you say that season two was the most frustrating for you? Or did you have a different season in mind? Yeah, I I mean I was going through a lot of character crises at this time. Uh season 2 was was it's got a a, a very negative connotation for me because they nerfed Vega who was a, a mid-tier character at that point and I was trying to make him work. Um I I did the classic of I'm not listening to everyone else who said the character's garbage uh now and I'm going to try to play him and make him, you know, go and uh, I should have listened to everyone else on that one. Hey, you win some you lose some. Uh so I kind of have a different perspective on there. I was losing to everyone. It didn't matter if they played Laura or Balrog or not. It was just almost impossible to win with the character and so I finally moved over to Bison who was actually pretty good at that point time um and and but i get it and i get why people had such a, a negative experience at that point but for me i was still trying to explore the meta of the game um and I wasn't hearing people talk about like what was going on. People were still trying to, to they were stuck so much more in a Street Fighter 4 mindset I still felt like at that point. Uh but again I, I was in my own dark place. So <laughs> at that point would you have said that Street Fighter 5 was the most fun Street Fighter or your favorite Street Fighter thus far or did that I guess that happened with Monat, this happened pretty much with Monat and it happened uh, like this is my favorite season so far uh, I think the game is well balanced uh, I really like where the game is at I like the stuff they've toned down um, Crush Counter is getting toned down has been nice uh, V Trigger is getting toned down I think it was season 3 is very 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 nice um, a lot of the stuff I, I think the game has built a lot of momentum and I'm enjoying it more now uh, than I was before uh, for a lot of reasons yeah um, I think season two was also when they first reduced the input lag by a little bit so it went from around eight frames to closer to 6.2 frames and because um, because so much of the conversation at that time once the community or the general public realized that the um, the input lag was such a thing that was basically the one of the defining aspects of street fighter 5 it was that it's a game it has input lag and then anything else that you wanted to talk about but usually through the filter of yeah but the input lags there and so that's what kind of affected you know this it affects this part and it affects that part of the game and such but it was all about that it was like infiltration one evo using nash and nash's strengths were or his biggest strengths were a direct result from the lag Things like that, but it wasn't a good look. Like it was constantly being discussed and characterized through that lens, and so they they reduced it by eh, a frame and a half to two frames, and that was good. It showed an acknowledgement, but it certainly wasn't where you know the community wanted it to be, especially having been used to Street Fighter Four with you know four to five frames of input lag and and whatnot. But um, they made their first move towards fixing that. We had all of season two, and there were a lot of gripes that we all had. We were mad about the robbery characters. We were still mad about the input lag. Um, 
there was a little bit of a reprieve in, in season one when uh, basically around that time I was talking about where Hans announced that the two characters would be coming together and, and such and the story mode was on the way. Um, and, and that was one of the first times where we started hearing people say that we're finally at a point where Street Fighter V is a full game. And not everyone said that at that point either. Like there was, you know, some of us did. It's starting to feel there, but um, there was still a lot of people that held out from there. But you get all the way through season two and arcade edition drops. And those that were holding out and not ready to say that it feels like a full game yet were about ready to say it once we got this uh, golden overhaul and this total revamping of the game. So this spiked the, like this was Capcom's Grand Slam and we all got super excited and it was like, yes, this is, we're finally turning a corner here. And the game started to become shown in a, in a good light and the community started to respond to it more than they ever had with favorable you know, reviews and responses. Everything got a new look and it felt like a grand reopening. And uh, and like I said, it was a time where it really felt like this is the game that we were hoping for. It also brought with it arcade mode. It took two years to get arcade mode, which is a staple, a single player staple for fighting games in general. They did a really cool arcade mode where um, you could play through different basically themes of, of old Street Fighter games. So you could do the Street Fighter 2 arcade and then you have Street Fighter 2 characters with a few stand-ins that represented um, Street Fighter characters that were not actually available in Street Fighter 5. Uh, so like, for instance, if you're playing through Street Fighter 3, instead of facing Sean, you would face Laura because she's his sister and, and, and such. But it was cool. It showed that Capcom was really paying attention to this. The It felt before like... They didn't care about single player content or they more specifically they didn't think that their player base cared as much about this um and of course the player base really really did so they add in an arcade mode it's really good it's it's beefy um and and they added a whole like gallery of images and like concept art and whatnot that you could unlock by playing through arcade mode so there was a secondary reason for people to try to you know collect yeah, I'll, I'll jump in to say that that if that went with the launch of the game, I think the reviews of the game would have been much higher. Uh, arcade mode is, uh, it came so late in the game's lifespan. I know a lot of the hardcore community never got invested in that, and then the casual community had already moved on, uh, so it was in a bit of a no-man's land. But if it came with a launch, I, I think that it probably would have boosted the review scores up. I think it was like in the mid-70s on Metacritic is somewhere where, where Street Fighter V ended up. It probably would have jumped it up maybe five or ten points alone, just having that in there. It was pretty good, and it's unfortunate that it's it came when it did. Well, like we said, you know, people could play survival mode, and, and that's Capcom has attended to that a little bit, and they've changed it around to make it... Um, a, a little more uh, a better experience but still like I'm never t I don't even go to survival mode now to get like the 50 or 100 fight money for the weekly missions I, I just don't care but yeah they showed how important having an arcade ladder is and no it's not something that people will just pass over without a second thought um, they also brought in extra battle mode, which basically helped out with the weekly missions and such. You could spend some money to try to get more money by, uh, and this is fight money, of course, um, by facing off against like some random uh, golden shadowloo soldiers, these like special boss battles, and that kept things interesting. And it gave you a reason to come back and continue to play um, the weekly missions and, and build up your fight money. They also introduced Team Battle, which no one seems to play, but it's actually a really cool mode and yet another reason to turn on the game, another uh, cool acknowledgement um, and, and another mode to like kind of populate the, the main menu, which at the very beginning was uh, very sparse. 
And then the other thing that arcade mode added was secondary V triggers. And this helped in the way of people were not impressed with how every character seemed to play just about the same way. Mm -hmm. Things were simplified. You couldn't tell if it was, you know, Gamer B playing or if it was Haitani, you know, as far as Nikali in the early days. Everything looked the same. All the characters were doing the same moves. And and this gave them, uh, some of them at least, a reason to do something a little bit differently, gave a little more style and action and and freedom to uh, express yourself as a player through the characters. So, man, the arcade edition, I think, was, (laughs) no pun intended, like the golden era thus far of Street Fighter V. It was, like I said, the, the home run, the grand slam. It was a really big victory for Capcom. Yeah, I agree. It's again, it's uh, my favorite season. It's season uh, three, I believe, is when it came in, and um, it's it just it marked a nice era for the game of of feeling it being much more complete and well rounded. And uh, yeah, it, it, I think it's held up very well. Uh, and again, that as a hardcore player, you know, the V Trigger twos have have been one of the things that I've really enjoyed about the game because it lets you put at least some of your personality into the game. At that point, not just how you play, but like an actual hardcore choice that you can implement that is going to heavily alter how you approach that character. So, so that was like a huge update that sort of happened all at once. Once Arcade Edition dropped, we got a new character in Sakura, and then we got all of those modes all at the same time, the whole visual overlay revamp. Not a whole other game, but pretty close to it. A whole other experience for sure. But then later in the year, uh, we got uh, Fighting Chance, so a loot box system. This was interesting. First of all, it didn't really work. (laughs) It hasn't really worked yet. But it was a good idea in that, like, hey, this is, well, I guess at the time it was like, this is 2018. You need to catch up with what video games are doing in general. And loot boxes and this idea of uh, in-game economies being fleshed out and being uh, having motivations for their players to play and to, to do these other modes and to unlock whatever it is that, you know, you have locked behind it and such. Like, Capcom at least got their feet wet in this, and it shows that they'll probably have a better version of all this next time they try it. Yeah, it's a good concept. The execution is has gotten better. I will say they're putting more of the right type of things behind it where you can get costumes versus just like, you know, food for survival mode or items for survival yeah. mode and all that. It, it also mm-hmm. augmented survival mode, which was not... It's like, oh, this is going to be connected to that. I'm already out, but I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's a, it's a great example of, of what I'm talking about. So it's it's improved. It's getting there to a point of like, oh, I'd actually consider like putting some fight money in here and, and using that, right? Um it's, but it's not there yet. It's still not a, a viable enough loot box system yet. But uh, I, again, with, with Street Fighter V, as you mentioned before, it seems like a lot of a lot of the features and items they're working with are precursors to something better in the future, maybe with a different game and not this one. After the fighting chance came in, we flash forward to, uh, I'm not sure if it was dojo mode first or not but we're going to go to october and talk about how they reduce the input lag all the way down to about four frames and for a lot of people this was the thing as we established that made street fighter you know not or street fighter 5 not as legitimate it was the main gripe for so many competitive players and finally capcom had changed this thing that was just such a a bad mark a mustard stain on Street Fighter V. Now, it happened very late in the game. Those that weren't 
playing might not have come back just because of this. We probably brought some people back. And those of us that were playing certainly appreciated this change. And so, again, it was like maybe a little late in the game for Street Fighter V. But what it means for the big picture of this game, you see them learn this lesson of how important it is to have the input lag reduced. How important it is to have a thriving fighting game economy that makes you actually want to play the game. How important it is to have single player modes. They learn these lessons. And you can see these lessons being learned through this process of Street Fighter V and I think it's a really good thing. So input lag reduced down to uh, four frames, then dojo mode. I'm not sure if that came before it, but it, it also came in. And this was something of a, uh, a motivation for community and clans. You could create your own stage and customize it and belong to a group where there were like-minded people, whether that meant that they were um, playing the same character or they were all in the same region. For instance, there's a Wednesday Night Fights dojo that a lot of the players from the Wednesday Night Fights uh, that, you know, that regularly attend the weekly will play in. Um, and, and you can build up your dojo score and be in competition with other dojos. It was a motivation to play other avenues of the game, other modes, because you could build up your dojo score by you know playing in survival or going online or spending time in training mode, I think, is one of the ways. Um, but this was also another really good look, again, same story late in the game might not have had the same for sure it didn't have the same impact as it could have if it were introduced earlier but a good look for the uh for the street fighter and the capcom fighting game growth and evolution um and and like the story's not over yet right like as far as the game um, we're getting a type arcade version out soon and like you know i'm sure further balance more characters coming i don't know if we'll get more modes or not i think the arcade edition mode dump was was all that we really need um, but like you can see how much the game has evolved since day one since it's like a a half shell of a game into what it is now and i think that with as much negativity as we put on capcom for street fighter 5 and then of course you have the, the fighting game department in general, the recent failure of Marvel Infinite. Like, there's been a lot of negativity about it, but if you look at the big picture, it's like, yeah, there were a lot of bumps in the road, there were a lot of hiccups, there was a lot of turbulence, but it didn't die, and I think it learned lessons, and it showed that it can do this. Capcom showed that they can figure it out, even coming from <laughs> so far behind. Imagine if they just started at the starting line instead of like 20 miles behind it, where they'll go in the future. And so this kind of story of Street Fighter V paired with what we talked about with the president saying we're going to double down basically in esports and, and the sky's the limit makes me pretty excited for, for the rest of Street Fighter V and then for whatever comes after all of this. I think that the fighting game community is going to continue to develop. Capcom's just one avenue of all of this and it's looking really good in this particular avenue, which is great because Capcom's a torch pair in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good time to be a fighting game player. I agree. I, I think that um, I think Capcom just basically messed up on the timing. Uh, it's if their timing was better and this stuff came out when it would have hit harder. I think we'd be looking at Street Fighter Five as like one of the best, like collectively games in the franchise. Uh, I know you know everyone's heard my opinion on that, but um, I, that's definitely not the sentiment across most gamers, right? And across the fighting game community, it's definitely yeah, there's a negative yeah. filter over it. There's a rain cloud that follows it that it will never fully shake. Yeah. It, 
even if it doesn't deserve it anymore. Yeah, it, it, but it was deserved, you know, with where it, where it started at. And it's a you never get a second chance to make a first impression, as they say, right? And and that's the lasting impression I think that Street Fighter Five is always going to have over it, and deservedly so. And and I think Capcom has realized that with the statements they've made that they understand that the review scores and that that first chance that you get to sell someone on it, hey, give us sixty dollars of your hard earned money, uh, it's worth it. That's a big deal. So we're going to do, um, we're running pretty long here on the pod, so we'll do a quick lightning round. Uh, last couple things I wanted to bring up, uh, and that would be Omega Mode for Street Fighter 4 has actually been a pretty big precursor to Street Fighter 5 content. Um, someone told us at, at Capcom, uh, they'll remain nameless, that they were trying out new things with Omega Mode. And... Uh, it was basically an experiment with the characters, and a number of those changes actually made their way into Street Fighter V. A couple quick examples here are Cody's target combos with the jabs. Those are in the game right now. His double kick, uh, the, his V skill, um, that was actually a 3x kick button in Omega that took a bar of meter to use. Uh, Blanca's V skill, where he does coward, uh, coward crouch and he can like hop out of it and do different things, that was in Omega mode. And Sakura had a, a dive kick um, that was like the thing from her V skill. Um, it wasn't you know exactly a dive kick. It's like you know. Uh, if you play Street Fighter V, you know, Sakura, the five people who do, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, you can, you know, try it for yourself in trading mode for, you know, a second or two. Uh, but that, again, was in Omega mode. Um, so it's interesting that, that that many things have been ported over. And if you look on our website, you will see mul multiple articles talking about Omega Edition and how we might have a bit of a preview for when these characters come through. So uh, we just did one on Honda. We've done one on Rose. Um, uh, no Sodom there for us to work with, unfortunately, because you know, he was not in Omega Edition. Uh, but it's it's good to kind of look over the stuff if you're really excited about the characters because uh, history definitely shows that there are multiple examples, more than I even mentioned here, uh, of how Omega Edition will, will factor into Street Fighter V in the future. All right, next up, uh, we have final round that's going to be happening next week. It's going to start Friday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific or uh, 12 p.m. You know, noon Eastern. Uh, we're going to have full coverage of that throughout the weekend on the website. Yeah, go there. We'll have results up. We'll have everything up like as it's happening. Huge event in the fighting game community. It's uh, <laughs> haha. It's only a premiere. It's not a super premiere like we have that you know super premiere status now. Um, but still, gigantic tournament. Uh, it's very likely we're going to see a few hints drop on social media or elsewhere before final round starts in terms of a new character or new content from Capcom. Uh, that would be where I would bet it at, at least. Um, so, and then uh, also I will throw out there that Infiltration won uh, last time at Street Fighter V and the other top eight players were Tokido, Valoran, Gachakun, Nemo, Knuckledoo, uh, Neon, playing Colleen of all players, uh, our characters, I should say, and Fujimura. So if... Any of those players are scheduling uh, their their attendance here for final round, which they probably are, uh, except for Infiltration, who has uh, the two-year ban. But anyway, forget that. Um, uh, it's going to be one hell of a tournament is what I'm getting at. A uh, lot of fun competition. Should be great content. Like, tune in. This is going to be one of the big ones of the entire year. There it is. Kicks off the, the Pro Tour officially. We're thinking there's going to be some kind of an announcement AKA we'll see Honda at final round for sure. You heard it here first, <laughs> uh, but no, it, it should be a good time. And it really starts off like the season uh, gets the, gets the blood flowing for the street fighter community. And then, you know, the fighting game community in general to a certain extent. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. And lastly, we have excellent adventures is officially ending. Uh, yeah, this is a, we're going to end the pod here on a sad note, um, but also on, Something that was hugely influential influential to our website. Um, uh, we post this content like pretty much on the regular when these guys were starting out. 
um, uh, Gutex and Mike Ross. Uh, it was uh, Dream King and I like would would quote phrases from like episodes of this like all the time. I I I'm I, I don't know. I I'm almost at a loss for words now to like explain how important this was to our community for the longest time. And, and seeing it come to an end is just it's it's sad i get it i get exactly why uh gutex is moving on to other content he's gonna be doing a podcast on twitch he's already doing the um unnamed esports show or untitled i should say esports show right now um gutex is a very talented guy uh i'm sure he's gonna do great stuff um it's just again it's just such a again landmark moment for us in the community i'm really sad to see it gone but i also understand with everything going on it makes sense yeah, uh, a lot of people went to um, Cross Counter and um, Excellent Adventures for just you know entertainment, and and they could just sit through as long as those guys are willing to sit there and play and troll or get trolled online. It was an experience, mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I don't know where it falls as far as the timeline of basically like let's plays and such, but for me that was kind of the first time I ever sat and watched other people play video games for for the sake of entertainment like that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's probably true for a lot of people, especially here in the fighting game community. So I mean it, it's it's Excellent Adventures hasn't been regularly producing content for a little while now. And it, it's just like, you know, chapters happen, chapters end and uh, we'll have those all, you know, on the internet saved. We can go back and watch them anytime and have fond memories, but uh, yeah, it's just the end of an era, and who knows what the future holds. I mean, the the people behind Excellent Adventures are still, you know, very much capable of producing other content, and so there's no reason to think that whatever Gutex chooses to do in the future won't be just as cool. Yep. You know, so I'm looking forward to whatever else he does next. Yep. And I, I think Mycross will resurface too in the future. Uh, maybe not so much with fighting game content, but you know, around there. And it, you know, it's always good to look in on those guys and see what they're doing. Um, been such a huge part of our lives, and uh, you know, they're still going to be around. So, so we'll look to the future. That's that's kind of the the theme of this pod thus far is to remember the past, see what's kind of happened thus far, and look to the future with uh, with some hope because things are looking up. There you go. Uh, It's a nice way to end it. All right, y'all. Thanks again for listening to the Event Hubs podcast. It's going to wrap us up for this week, and we'll see you guys soon. Adios.